0: Hello and welcome to the Body and Food Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Preston, trauma informed mental health social worker, psychotherapist and nutritionist. I'm the creator of the Body and Food Freedom Project, a women's group focused on helping women make peace with food and their bodies. I know firsthand how dieting, food restriction and body shame can steal our joy and have us playing small in our own lives but I also know the freedom and liberation that comes with breaking free from diet culture, making peace with food, and learning to respect our bodies. Follow along as I speak with you and my guests about concepts including shame, self-compassion, intuitive eating, body image healing, and all things trauma, mental health, and therapy. I'm so happy to have you here. Grab a cup of tea and your headphones, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Body and Food Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Preston. And I wanted to introduce our guest for today. So her name is Stephanie, and she is a non-diet strength training coach. And she talks about really hitting a pretty tough place in her life in in 2020. Um, And you know, then discovering as a result of that intuitive eating and health at every size. And so from then emerged this completely new way of life for her and a new way of coaching her clients too. So now she guides others on their own intuitive eating journeys. Um, She helps them build a healthier relationship with food, with their minds and with their bodies. And she talks about what she wants is for others to courageously create the life they hoped weight loss would bring them now. And we talk a little bit about that, about this idea that we have to reach a certain body or certain goal weight before we will allow ourselves to show up in our lives or before we allow ourselves to experience joy and so, what you can expect from our conversation is we talk about shame, we talk about self-compassion, and she has some great tips for self-compassion. Um, we talk about her journey from you know the classic diet approach um, with her coaching to actually incorporating and integrating intuitive eating, um, and we also talk about. A little bit about how you can continue to improve your relationship with exercise. This is an episode you won't want to miss. So stay tuned and we will get started. Hi, everyone. As you just heard, I'm here with Stephanie, a non-diet mm-hmm. strength training coach. Um, I actually heard her on another podcast and I had to invite her to mine. Um, so welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Where so are you? Yeah, I'm where, in Ontario, Canada. Okay, cool. I always like to ask where everyone is. Yeah. Um. So tell me, or tell my listeners too, just a little bit about you as a human before we jump in. Yeah. Um.
1: Me as a human. Um. I like to move. I have a lot of energy inside of me. <laughs> um. So I strike train for sure. I like to participate in other fun sports. Just for fun, basketball, shooting hockey pucks around. So I do love sports. I like watching sports. I love reading. I love pets. I don't have any, but if you have a dog and you want me to walk it, I will walk your dog. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love to hike. Um, Nature is my true love. (laughs) It brings me peace. I Want to travel and see so many beautiful places?
0: Yeah, that well, is me. You, you can put us on your list if you want. You can when all <laughs> of this when all of this COVID mess hopefully is over, you can definitely come here. There's beautiful places to hike. Yes. Well, already
1: on the list. So
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Cool. Well, let's jump in because we're going to talk together about a few things that this is my jam. This is stuff that I talk about with clients. This is stuff that um, I teach in my, the group that I run. Um, So let's jump in first. How do you combat shame And, and maybe speak a little bit about what shame is?
1: Yeah. Okay. So shame is that I am bad, right? Like The self judgment we have towards ourselves about, you know, a behavior we did or or the something we said that's that repetition in our head over and over of why did I do that? I am a terrible human being because of X, whatever it is. Um, So, combating it really, like, (laughs) the biggest thing is recognizing that we. Create it. We are the ones that are ruminating over and over about whatever the experience was. And we must bring ourselves into awareness. Awareness precedes change. Um, So if we didn't like the behavior we did, we must become aware of that behavior um, to be able to move through it. Um, So being aware of the fact that we are currently in shame, that we are currently judging ourselves is definitely a huge piece in combating that shame. Um, one, of the, one of the biggest things that has been key for me and, and helping clients as well is speaking about it, simply bringing light to it and not holding it inside of ourselves, not isolating ourselves, thinking that we are the only ones that are experiencing the feeling of shame And then the feeling of whatever that behavior is that we didn't like, let's say, we are not the only one. So speaking about it and bringing light to it, really.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I often say if we had a shame plant, it needs a few things to grow and it's isolation, judgment, and secrecy. And so what you just said is- Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so what you just said is- Yes, speaking your shame, putting light on it, and mm-hmm. and I something I like to throw in with this conversation too is it takes vulnerability, right? And vulnerability is risking emotional exposure. Yeah, and you know, I, and vulnerability takes boundaries, right? We we're not going to open up and share our shame stories with everybody, mm-hmm. um, but sort of knowing who, who are the people in my life where it is safe? Is it a coach? Is it a therapist? Is it a dear friend? Um, where I know I'm likely to be met with empathy and compassion. Um, so I think that's a good throw in of just the boundaries around it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Really making sure that the safe, the space is safe to be able to talk about it. And I think as well, like you said, like a a dear friend, um, you know, you're speaking to a coach or you're speaking to a therapist, you know, you're going to get that empathetic response, right? Like you really, truly, like you hope that you will, you know, the relationship. Say you're talking to a friend and it's maybe like the first time you becoming vulnerable and, and bringing this to light. Something that I like to do is, is really just bringing light to them and saying, Hey, you know what? I really need support right now. As I speak this to you, not advice. Because when that advice comes, when you're speaking that shame, it's like, oof, you're missing the point here. It's my feelings. It's not the problem right now. It's my feelings. Like, yes. it's <laughs> me. Like, so saying, Hey, I need this support right now, not advice. And just being straight up and like being able to say that has been amazing for
0: me. Yes, that is gosh. I just want to clap for what you just said, because. <laughs> It it does help. It sort of state what the need is, and I see this with parents and kids, and parents and teenagers too. Of what you just said, they miss it. They miss that Mm. what we really need to do is just hold the space and acknowledge and validate and listen, not Uh, problem solve. And so, I really uh, like that advice of like just say the need is okay. I need to share this with you and I just need you to listen. I don't need problem solving because the reality is most people know the solutions. They're just needing exactly. the step of sharing the shame and working through it.
1: Exactly. Because it's yeah. it's shame is that emotion, right? Like it's like when you're stuck in that intense feeling, there's no way your brain is thinking logical or even able to hear that problem solving. All you hear is, Hey, you think this feeling I should just push away and I should start solving the problem right now? When really it comes down to I need to or I want to process this emotion. I want to work through this intense pain right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're speaking my language. I love this. (laughs) Um, So one of the, you know, one of the pieces of you've named a few of like a shame resiliency practice, right? Um, Which one is learning to be vulnerable. Who can I be vulnerable with? Um, Learning to shed light on and speak it. Um, But also self-compassion is a big part of that. And so how do you put self-compassion, into a daily practice like what does that look like
1: yeah um so i would say it comes back to awareness again um right of okay so awareness that you want to practice the self-compassion practicing self-compassion is something we want to utilize because we are experiencing discomfort because we are experiencing this pain We don't do it to solve the pain, but we're doing it to be kind to ourselves because we are in that pain. So we have to recognize that we're in a state where we're, you know what, we want to pause whatever it is we're doing and give ourselves that kindness that we might give a friend a kindness, right? Like you might say be with a friend and you might notice their mood is off a little bit and you might start being a little bit gentle to them and just kind of checking in as to what's going on. You want to be able to recognize that in yourself and kind of recognize, hey, something's off with me. I want to be gentle and kind to myself. So, recognition that you're experiencing something discomforting and that you want to actually give yourself some compassion is definitely where you want to start. Um, And then taking the three steps of the self compassion practice, uh, mindfulness. So, that is that uh, awareness of, I'm experiencing say I'm experiencing shame. Let's use shame as, as the example, I'm experiencing this, this feeling of shame and really just keeping that neutral and not ruminating over the fact that you're experiencing the shame. Um, and then transitioning that into like recognizing you're not alone, the common humanity piece of, of mindful of self-compassion. Um, you're not alone. Other people feel this feeling and you might go a little bit deeper into that. If you need to truly feel that inside of you, you might kind of search out, um, a way to, to realize that you're not alone. Maybe that's by talking with a friend and realizing, Hey, somebody else has experienced this as well. Um, and then the last one is the self kindness versus the self judgment. Um, really just speaking kind words to yourself again, like you would to a friend. Uh, I like to do this to myself, call my, and I call myself Steffi. Um, it, it's like i'm a child and i'm always going to be kind to a child so it's very easy to be kind to this version of myself that i call steffi um so yeah those are the three pieces there that mindfulness of the emotion or experience the common humanity understanding that you are not alone in that experience and then speaking kind words to yourself and this can all be done journaling that's where i started it but now because I know those three pieces and I've done it and ingrained it, it's something where it can just pull into my brain and I can speak these things in my thoughts and move on to the next thing in life and just feel a little bit more at ease.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay, so I have a few things to respond, but one is um, with the journaling that you mentioned, did you, because I get asked a lot about journaling and different techniques, did you have a certain... Journaling technique that helped you with this area most, like was it just like free writing, or was it like a gratitude thing? What, what?
1: Yeah. Um. So Kristen Neff, um, who speaks about self compassion like all the time, um, she has a journaling prompt, and so I would use her journaling prompt about those three pieces about the mindfulness. So like step one in the journaling prompt was do your mindfulness piece, recognize where you are, do the common humanity piece, write kind words about like the fact that you're not alone and then going into the self-kindness.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And is that something, is the goal to do it, you know, when you sort of notice, like you said, you're feeling a bit off. The goal is if I have an opportunity to sit down with this pen to paper.
1: Exactly. And it's, it's really about utilizing it when... You are experiencing something discomforting, not to fix the discomfort, but because you are in discomfort, knowing that this is not a get rid of this discomfort. I want to move it away. It's that I want to be there for myself because I'm in discomfort. I want to have my own back while I'm in discomfort, just like you would want to do for a friend.
0: Yeah, it's so important what you're saying. I think of um, it's not it's not about the solution. Just like we said earlier, it's about curiosity, what I'm sitting with, how can I soften towards myself during this experience? And I think too, you've talked about awareness a few times, and this is something I get clients to do of checking in with themselves throughout the day, because I think people can get so stressed and so busy. And especially over the last 18 months, right? Like if there's kids or online schooling or working from home, um, and so, with my clients to start developing the awareness is even that is the exercise for a while of that check-in. Like, okay, am I, am I noticing tightness in my chest? Am I noticing my jaw and my shoulders are tightened, you know, and, um, am I noticing there's a sense of sadness? So just getting used to that for that mindfulness piece. like mm.
1: I have thoughts. Um, so you started speaking about like the internal experience Um, about like what we're feeling right would you say tuning into that feeling first is something that you would want to someone to learn through like the awareness through or trying to understand that like word to the emotion
0: I think I I do often I tell people start where it feels most possible for you right yeah, so we yeah, might it's natural right Yeah. yes yes so oh, cool there's often this like especially with sort of like cognitive behavioral styles which certainly has um you know benefits to it but sometimes i just find that certain models can be a little bit rigid with no you got to go to the thought first or you got to go to this right. first and right. i think well Where does it feel natural to go? Is it, or what feels more possible? Especially if people are experiencing depression or anxiety or trauma, it's like, what feels possible right now for you of, do we check in with just the physical or do we check in with the curiosity of what even is this? Cause you're right. Some people, some people don't even have the language for, um, for what feeling they're even sitting with, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, I think that is great. It's really about meeting yourself where you are in that moment, right? Like yeah. you might one moment be able to find the word. You might not be able to find the word, but be able to find the, ex- like the internal um, feeling sensation, right? That's Yeah. Great.
0: yeah. And th- the other thing you said that I, Love is the Steffi thing. like mm-hmm. it's 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 sort of this way. I think correct me if I'm wrong, but you're sort of cr- connecting with your inner child of, you know, okay, Steffi, and I don't know what it sounds like for you, but it's safe or it's okay, or just yep. putting your hand on your heart and and sort of connecting with that inner little one. Yep. um i do I do find most people soften if they think about their. Mm-hmm younger selves sometimes there's complexities behind it but most people soften
1: yeah it's that's it's it's exactly it and it's fun like and it just like (laughs) makes me smile
0: (laughs) yeah um I heard you say and I just want my listeners to hear this because it was so brilliant um I heard you say on on another podcast that you will text yourself <laughs> you know, like, can you can, can, can you talk about that because I seriously love it
1: <laughs> sometimes I'll go back and read the text that I send to <laughs> myself and I just like I go, whoa that was an intense moment that I was experiencing right um yeah um it's so I said that I will do those three pieces of the mindfulness practice in a journaling or in my mind. Yeah. And there's times where if I'm doing it in my mind and it just doesn't click or doesn't flow, um, I will go to the text message thing and simply just like text myself as if I'm texting a friend. I'm like, oh, hey, Staffy. I'm feeling X, like I'm experiencing X. And then it kind of comes through and I, and I get this response of like, okay, like, yeah. Like there's a, again, it's almost like validation. I'm validating myself in those moments, right? Um, and then again, like with the self-kindness piece, texting myself, I'm pretending I'm texting a friend at times. It's like, how would I respond to a friend? And that's really what that self-compassion practice is all about, right? Speaking to yourself like you would a friend. And the texting part seems to click for me.
0: (laughs) Well, and I I loved that because sometimes there's on a practical level, we can't like bust out a journal, right? If we're like at work yeah. and we just got out of a tricky meeting and we're sort of, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but that, the, I loved that suggestion. And I've started telling my clients, I don't take credit for it by the way, but <laughs> um, but it's, it's this, it's just a quicker way, isn't it? Of going, hang on, yeah. I'm going to put words to this, um, yeah. but it doesn't require, like I said, pulling out the journal when it's not practical.
1: Exactly. And I've done it where I've done, notes like a note in my phone to write it but it doesn't have the same effect and also again being able to go back and reflect at it and to look at it easily the next time I do it gives that reassurance of hey we worked through this last experience and we're here now in a like and I can work through this experience right now as well
0: yeah well it, I and I think that's that's a little bit of resilience building too of like being able to yeah. look back quickly and go hey I I I experienced this you know, repeatedly or, and I was able to sit with it or move through it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we've touched on it a little bit, but I want to make sure we don't miss anything. So I wanted to ask you, how do you put the shame resiliency into daily practice?
1: To be honest, I, I think it comes back to everything I said. Like, I think it's pulling the pieces of what we said and figuring out what works for you that daily practice doesn't mean, you know, having that one person or a couple of people that you know, you can reach out to, um, is definitely huge. And the awareness piece, like, I think the, I think I'll never stop saying awareness, I
0: know. awareness,
1: <laughs> awareness of, Oh, I'm recognizing that I am judging myself right now. Right. And then getting into the curiosity mindset from that. From that judgment of hmm, why am I feeling this way? Like what's going on? Being able to uh, um, not judge ourselves through that experience. And and also I think a piece of this is maybe if it's, you know, you're in a busy time, you're in a busy moment, you don't have time to call a friend, and you can recognize you're in that space of shame, moving that shame to guilt, at least to lessen the load by simply just noticing, you know what, I am not a bad human for X, whatever it was, I, instead, I did not love my actions around X. And that does not make me a bad human. And you can at least shift away from that shame and move it a little bit more towards guilt, which is a little bit less intense, if you will, until you can get to actually being able to Talk to someone about it and get it outside of your body.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because the the whole sort of difference between shame and guilt is how I like to say it is shame is I am the mistake and guilt is I made a mistake so exactly yeah the the guilt is labeling the behavior shame labels our whole human selves and so I love that you brought that up of just even being able to shift towards okay I'm not loving this behavior maybe it went against my value system maybe it's something I've been working on but it doesn't mean it doesn't have to mean I'm a terrible human
1: Exactly. And then we can continue the day showing up as ourselves and process that later when we have time, really. Yeah.
0: I was thinking that too. Yeah. The importance of you can do this on reflection. So if you Mm -hmm. can't, it's almost sort of bookmarking it. And, you know, when you have a quiet moment to, to sort of come meet yourself in that way, do that. So it doesn't have to be like in the moment. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um so okay we're going to switch gears just a little bit but i wanted to ask you with the strength training that you do what yes. what's the difference between the intuitive eating and then the classic diet approach like i said i know yeah. we're switching gears a little bit but
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes okay so um where to start. (laughs) I know that's a big question. (laughs) So let's start with the, you know, the classic diet approach or classic, um, lifestyle change approach. I think a lot of people hear the word diet and they think, Oh, I'm not dieting. This isn't what I do. This is just a lifestyle change within even that we have people thinking oh I'm taking this action because I should take this action because this is what I am I have learned from you know this health group guru so I'm going to take this action from an external you know an external person is telling me to take this action so I'm going to take the action Um, such as like I'm going to eat chicken and broccoli for dinner let's call it and then we have the intuitive eating style approach to things where let's use the meal time as a, another example of, okay, well, I'm not going to listen to somebody else telling me what I'm going to put inside of my body. I'm actually learning what my body needs via listening to internal cues. And so maybe that's chicken and broccoli that your body needs, but you're t- making that decision with intuitive eating based on internal cues. Based on learning and listening to your body. Whereas the diet lifestyle change approach is more so listening to external cues about around nutrition and, and eating.
0: Yeah. And when you say external cues, you know, I think things like calorie counting apps, or like you said, following whatever health coach on Instagram who's recommending whatever meal plan and it mm. does sort of give away your power and autonomy. Um and that's what I like about intuitive eating is it's reclaiming the capacity to actually listen to yourself and what you're needing. And that is a that is a process, right? That is not something.
1: Yeah. yeah. That, oh yeah. It's a journey. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um so it can sound a bit scary for people, but um I, I think I've done a couple, I think that, yeah, there was an episode that I've done that will have come out by now, but um, about research that's coming out about intuitive eating and it's very Mm -hmm. promising. So there is something that's very effective of listening, learning to listen to yourself.
1: Exactly. And learning to trust yourself, right? Like the amount of people that I would see in the lifestyle diet change kind of area and, and kind of like, You know, knowing an answer to something, knowing like what maybe is a decision, like a, you know, oh, I'm fumbling over my words here. That's okay. (laughs) So not basically not trusting their intuition of like a decision they want to make, but they need to get this external validation on the decision around say nutrition, a workout or whatever, a step they want to take, they need this external thing because they're uncertain. They don't trust themselves. Whereas with that intuitive eating, it's like you learn to trust yourself and you learn to, again, meet yourself where you are in that moment and respond to yourself, like respond to your body of whatever it's asking for in that moment.
0: Yeah. Has it been, tricky for you? Cause I just imagine, honestly, the fitness industry is pretty toxic in a lot of ways. I mean, really good, well-intended people that I've come across yeah. in the fitness industry, but just more the system of things like fat phobia or diet culture. Um, has it been tricky for you to transit, make that transition from like diety to intuitive eating in your, in the strength training area?
1: I'd love to say no. (laughs) It's, it's been again, a journey, right? Like it's something that I feel so passionate about because it saved my life. Like it changed my life. So I have so much passion behind it. Um, So I will not stop, (laughs) but it, it, it has been, you know, being able to educate people on just a different way to approach it and being able to really like ask people, are you thinking about, you know, trying to make these changes for aesthetic reasons, or are you trying to make these changes? And for, you know, health reasons, what is the, the main driver behind your, your movement focus? Like, yeah, sure. I do strength training, but we have, you know, like people are doing cardio as well. And it's like, Oh, I want to do this cardio. I'm like, well, okay. Like, great. Why do you want to do this? Is this because you think it's going to change the way you look aesthetically, or are you actually looking to improve your cardiovascular fitness? Like, are you looking to improve, improve your heart health? Like, what is it that you're trying to do? So just simply being able to make people think a little bit more about what's the intention behind their actions Um, has been a really, you know, good start to get people thinking because there's a lot of people who come into the gym who think they want to get healthy. And then they realize, oh, but like, I want this fat loss because of aesthetic reasons, not per se health reasons.
0: Okay, so I have to ask, and you can share just what you're comfortable to share. This is my therapist brain in action. But I'm curious, what does it look like when you say it changed or saved your life?
1: Yeah. So if we rewind about 10 years or so ago, I did a bodybuilding competition, which definitely started my restriction phase within nutrition, if you will um and basically since then i have yo-yo dieted um gained and lost you know the same 10 or 15 pounds multiple times and as we know that is detrimental to your health it is not great for your health whatsoever so last year i experienced a syncope episode um which to an extreme essentially i had a seizure and so that was no fun. Um, and I stopped strength training and that basically I lost my identity when doing so. So that was like a mental challenge in itself. Um, you know, losing myself in that. I definitely learned, okay, like don't put all of my identity in, in that strength training piece. Um, So I learned that that's for sure. But, uh, that just pulled away such a big piece of my life, I was getting intense migraines, intense like just head pain when my heart rate got up past like a hundred beats per minute. I would get this intense head pain. it was awful. Um, my mental health deteriorated because of not being able to train because of not knowing what was going on, not getting the help from the doctors, and we just didn't know what was going on um and so I started to restrict more food thinking it was actually epilepsy thinking oh sh- bad sugar i should try keto or i didn't fully try keto but you know like what's the internet telling me like, what what's the fad thing that i can do to try to help myself because i didn't know what the problem was um and after i restricted more i had another uh one of the syncope seizure episodes and was really just like this cannot be my life. Like I cannot be fearing these episodes and not be training like training. It it was my outlet is my outlet. Like I love it and not being able to do the thing that I coach other people to do was like, Whoa. (laughs) Um, so November 4th, uh, last year I listened to a podcast which then had me admitting that I likely had binge eating disorder. Like I, I knew it, but I just wouldn't say it. Like, and I was like, no, we're just going to ignore that. (laughs) Um, so yeah, then it was talking about intuitive eating and I was just like, yep, like this is the change I have to make or else who knows what's going to happen. Like i was not in a good state mentally or physically like, and it was, I was not living my life. Like I was essentially figuring out how to get, you know, on with the day and just make it through the day. So intuitive eating came in and it was a journey basically of finding myself after spending the last 10 years of my life, just using every piece of energy in me, trying to make my body look a certain way versus being myself. So I definitely lost myself. I, I have now been able to, you know, do the things that I have wanted to do over the last 10 years that I had basically been waiting to do, waiting to be until I lost the weight. It was like, okay, life's on a standstill until I lost the weight. And then intuitive eating was like, Hey, Hey, you know what, Steffi, you can be that Steffi now. You don't need to wait for anything. So, yeah.
0: I've been shaking my head the whole time trying to like <laughs> stay quiet because so <laughs> much of what you just shared in terms of your story. And thank you for sharing that. Um, but I think it's so relatable in my own journey. I can relate to some of that. And then mm. I know my listeners can. And one, one of the things I was thinking as you listened, it, or as I was listening, is um, just the idea that our body sort of whispers messages to us yeah. and if we are not tuning in it will eventually be screaming right like and it and and I think that's some of what you described is I just wonder where these little messages maybe your body was trying to give you but not necessarily receiving which again I think is so relatable and the other part of your story that I was just holding is, I think when, when a sickness comes up or like a chronic illness, I think people can move from diet culture to wellness culture where it's, it's then become a little bit of obsession about how do I manage these symptoms? And Mm. there's so many, they call them protocols, which just drives me nuts, but they're diets. So, um, you know, in my own journey, I was given like the anti inflammation protocol, the anti histamine protocol, you know, cut out all the carbs, cut out, you know, fast until noon and all of that stuff just made everything worse. Yeah. Uh, And the other thing is the binge eating disorder is interesting because it's the most common and the binging shows up across for for a lot of people, not every person, but shows up across all the eating disorder criteria. And it's because our bodies, I mean, we know this now, our bodies fight so hard against restriction. Exactly. Gosh, the other thing that you said too, is you were like putting off showing up in your life, maybe in certain Mm -hmm. ways until you like reached, I guess, like the perfect body. And I think so many women do that. And that's a form of restriction. That's how I view that. It's like, well, what are you withholding from yourself? Like what growth, what, what healing, what joy, what experiences are you withholding from yourself yeah. until you reach this certain physique or weight? Yeah.
1: Um, and it's, it's interesting because it's like, was it the shame that stopped me from doing those things? Or was it internally like, no, we're going to hold dangle this carrot of once you get to this weight, then you can do this. Like, there's a combination of both for sure.
0: Yeah. And probably the shame is at the root of this for a lot of women because it's sort of once I'm enough. Yes. Once I'm enough. And and I've seen this in my group where once I'm enough, I'll show up in my business differently, mm-hmm. right? Um, once I'm enough, I might experiment with dating again. And it's, um like I said, I just view it as more, restriction this is why it goes far beyond just what we're eating like with the intuitive eating thing that's yeah um and i i was just thinking too like um with the intuitive eating i remember people talking about it like learning to trust yourself learning to listen to your body that inviting in fear foods that you once binged on and that's scary as shit but and I remember actually not believing people for a while. I was like Yeah. I was like, you oh, are a yeah. lion, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I yeah, I heard about like removing the restriction to beat like the binge eating disorder, like probably five, six years ago. And I was like, oh no, 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 no. No, no, no. Like that's not a thing. So it took me five, six years to get there. Yeah. And I am so thankful that I got here. Um, you know, just so grateful that I'm here now. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I think so. If I think about with binge eating, because I struggled with that too, I I think one piece is definitely what we were talking about at the beginning, the shame and the self-compassion work. Mm-hmm. Um definitely gradually you know, moving out of that restriction place and, you know, inviting in your fear foods again, but something else that helped me on a really practical level. And this is where I think with intuitive eating, we, we still can have structure. I think people think, I think people think like, it's just like free for all, all the time. (laughs) Whereas for me with the binge eating, having structure, like giving myself satisfying foods breakfast lunch dinner and snacks yeah, yeah um and just having that structure of of eating helped rein in the binging too because it's it's For sort sure. of it's, i i tell people the binging part of us is actually the part of us working hard to survive our body yeah. has perceived oh my gosh we're not getting enough fuel this is dangerous
1: exactly. yeah we exactly need food. when i yeah when i started the intuitive eating i started as a structured version moved away from it a little bit and then honestly have kind of gone back to the structured variation of it as I can get busy and kind of go like, okay, I'm busy working away. And it's like, whoa, whoa, the structure really is not what I'm eating, but the structure is to tune in and check in every three, four hours of like, Hey, am I hungry right now? And giving myself time and space, like in my schedule to actually eat in those times, right? It's not what I'm eating, but it's a make sure I'm tuning in and checking in every couple hours versus just like waiting for me to, you know, come up in my body because I can hyper-focus on things. I could get stuck <laughs> on something for you know, too many hours. So that structure of pause, check-in is so, so key for sure.
0: Yeah. Can you can you talk a little bit about, and even if you have tips for for listeners, but in your story, you also talked about, the loss of the strength training for a little while, which I'm sure came Mm. with a level of grief and identity stuff like you highlighted, but how, how did you move towards, because this is something I'm still working on. How did you move towards, I guess, improving the relationship with exercise or, you know, how there's this saying like joyful body movement theme. (laughs) Um, Joyful movement. Yeah. Yes. Um, So how, what, what did that look like for you? And if you have tips along, you know, in that for listeners.
1: So I think we have to kind of recognize for me doing the strength training, like I powerlift, that is joyful movement for me. Okay. So my intention was to eventually get back to it. Like I was like, I want to get back to that. Um, I was able to kind of say, Hey, doing that right now, causes me pain this is not joyful like this is far from joyful I know I want to do it but my body in this moment is not happy and that does not make me happy um so there was acceptance right yeah. acceptance that even though my mind finds joy in it and like I know that I want to be doing it I was accepting that my body just was not in a space to be able to do it um, at that time so that was definitely. Key, and then it came down to simply you know practicing joyful movement on the days where my body was feeling good, right like it was like, okay, like am I feeling functional enough today to get some type of joyful movement in um and that was going to the ice rink to play hockey that's you know going out rollerblading going and playing basketball, doing those sporty things that I told you that I like doing yeah. and I stopped doing those things because I was in the gym thinking that, you know, the movement that I had to do to get this weight loss that I wanted, this thin body that I wanted needed to be the movement needed to be in a gym. So that's also part of the, like doing the things I want to do, like that intuitive eating helped me with Um, also walking like hiking. Like, again, I love nature, right? Like those are the things that I, I didn't allow myself time to do those things because my attention was so focused elsewhere. So it really came down to accepting where I was, what could my body do and ask, asking myself each day, what kind of joyful movement do I want to do today? What do I feel like doing today versus following a program? Like, you know, not having something to go, okay, this is what I'm doing today. I need to follow X, Y, and Z. It was, what do I want to do today? And That was that until I was feeling ready to say, Oh, my body's feeling strong enough to get back into some of the strength training.
0: Yeah. There are little gold nuggets in, in that. And I'm going to attempt to recap Mm -hmm. one is allowing yourself to rest from, from the thing right for you, the strength training for a bit and accepting, which is hard as hell, but accepting Mm -hmm that that's what your body was needing. Um, it sounds like moving from rigidity that my exercise has to be in the gym with this, you know, particular, whatever workout it was to flexibility of like, like you said, what do I actually like? Do I want to get outside? Do I want to go rollerblading? Um, and you know, something I've been experimenting with myself is using the idea of the same concept of Concept of body neutrality. And so, this is if there's listeners going, like, I don't find joy in movement, <laughs> like, yet.
1: Yeah. 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 Sort of,
0: sort of moving from, okay, well, can we move from a real maybe dislike for it to just a neutral thing of like, love I love it. Yeah. I'm going to go on a walk. I don't have to enjoy it, but I'm just going to be with myself w- while I'm, you know, moving yeah. and, and, and just be present for what is this like? Um, because with me, I'm like, I sit all day, right? Like I sit and listen all day. And so if I, you know, for parts of my journey, if I'm waiting for joy to accompany me, (laughs) it's, it might be a while. So I've sort of given myself permission of, I know this, I know it, I know it, my body feels better if I've moved, even if it's a hike or a walk. So I'm like, I can feel neutral about this too. I don't have to like find joy quite yet. Exactly. And I think, um, the, so walking was definitely
1: one of the things that I was, when I stopped strength training, there was a phase where I just like really couldn't do anything high intensity at all. So it was strictly walking and it was like, well, this is boring. So it was like, maybe I didn't find joy in the walking, but then even simply linking to listening to a podcast listening to an audiobook like something that i would not be reading cuz i do love reading but like something um that was just different for me that maybe the joy was brought in via that versus within the movement in itself so linking it with something was helpful which is kind of opposite of what you said of like being with yourself in the
0: in the movement right um, but i like, but I like that Sorry, I yeah. like that tip though of like yeah, okay, if it doesn't feel joyful, what can I do to like move towards that? So I I love yeah. that idea of like listening to a book or a podcast or music that makes you happy, you know.
1: Exactly. And it's kind of even like saving that book for oh, I listen to this when I walk. So you're getting excited for the walk due yeah. to oh yeah, I get to listen to the book that I'm
0: I'm listening to. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, well, so as we come to a close, um, do you have Do you have a couple things you want to leave my listeners with? One of
1: my favorite. I don't want to call it a quote. Let's call it a quote. (laughs) Quote (laughs) is (laughs) basically it's suffering equals pain times resistance.
0: That's good.
1: yeah. And I think a lot of people see this and they go resistance. What are you talking about? Right. And that just comes back to that judgment that we were talking about at the beginning, like your feelings of whatever you're experiencing, it's might be challenging, but the more we try to push it away, the more we try to just like ignore it. We are creating more suffering because of that. If we can remove that resistance, remove that judgment, we might not fall into the shame, right? That we were talking about and we can just sit through that discomfort and it will pass much faster.
0: Yeah, that whole, I don't know who said this. Definitely, I didn't make this up, but like the whole what you resist persist. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, totally. Instead of resisting, pushing away, can we invite it in and sit with it and stay curious about it? And Yeah, it's this weird, um, not paradigm. What is this called? I don't know. I don't know the word I'm looking for. Okay. Great quote. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you have anything else to leave the listeners with, or is that like.
1: That is my big one right there.
0: That is good. (laughs) Love it. Um, Well, thank you so much for your time. I've really loved um, chatting with you and um, before, you know, before we hit record, we were chatting about maybe you coming back. So we, we shall see. Yeah. Um, And yeah, and I'll put um, maybe let listeners know where you can find you. And then I'll also put all your info in my show notes.
1: Cool. I'm on Instagram really is my main space. So S bend with three D's is where you'll find me. Okay,
0: great. And I'll put that in the show notes. Um, Awesome. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. And I hope today's episode has been helpful please like and subscribe to this podcast and take a second to give me a five-star review on iTunes. That really helps get this message out to other women who need it. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Green Life Psychology. You can click in the link in the Instagram bio to learn more about the Body and Food Freedom Project, my 16-week online program where I teach and facilitate sessions live. Have a great week and I'll see you at the next episode.